0: Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. We have had some technical difficulties recently, so we're we're playing a little bit of catch-up. And while Alabama has had a flurry of commitments since we've been away, one of the biggest names in that group is on the hardwood. So with that said... Our guest this week is the basketball analyst at Bama Insider on the Rivals.com network. He hosts the Double Dribble podcast, which you can subscribe to on all platforms. He's Jordan Harper. Jordan, I think you've just kind of become the guy we run to when, whenever anything significant <laughs> happens with Alabama's <laughs> basketball program. Uh, I do appreciate it. Always love coming on with you guys. Yeah, man. Nate Oates and Brian Hodgson secured a commitment from 6'11 forward Alex Chakou. I said that right, correct? chiku chiku chiku
1: there okay. you go Oh, right. i was calling it to chiku too
0: okay <laughs> well, he is a top 50 overall player in the nation i know you talked to some of the guys who have their hands in the rankings so so what's the scouting report on him what can we expect in year one
1: well like you said he's a 611 very athletic forward can play the 5-2 and has the ball skills to be able to play the three as well if you want if you want him to he, he's a match-up nightmare i mean stretches the floor has their school doesn't release statistics um over in arizona it's a i believe it's like a, a prep day school or something like that and so you really don't get the percentages so when he's shooting about 30 to 35 percent from three at on aau so he stretches the floor really well i mean people compare him to kevin durant or i personally think Giannis because his three-point shot outside shots not fully developed can hit the mid-range and he does most of his damage around the basket I mean he's 6'11 and has like a 7'3 wingspan so he he really affects things on the defensive end the offensive end can guard one through five if he needs to switch off he's that athletic that long just a disruptor on both sides of the ball and I feel like he's very undervalued um ranking wise but to be honest these ranking guys doesn't these ranking sites don't have enough off of him to really be able to propel him to say a five-star status and i mean he's only been playing basketball for three years he said so started playing three years in france came to america been playing over here a little about a year and a half reclassified which surprised a lot of people i mean alabama was on him hard for 2021 and i was told that they were one of the first schools to really push for him to reclassify to 2020 and once he did they it was pretty much an Alabama-Florida State battle. Alabama knew they wanted him, and mainly because he's an international player based on, what, a third of their roster. So they've done a great job, and he's going to be a guy that Nato can use in a lot of different ways in his style of play offensively and defensively.
2: Jordan, it's good to have you back on, brother, and congrats on the birth of your first child this year. That's a big step I for you. I appreciate it, yeah. Got to get him on that hardwood soon, yes, though. Yes, <laughs> So, look, this will seem like a ridiculous question in almost any other season, but does Pikachu's cousin even break the starting lineup next year?
1: You know, I I don't think so. And reason being is, I mean, he's still 17 years old. Typically, the Fords and big men take a little longer to develop, and people like Kyra Lewis can just step on because they have elite speed awareness, things like that, that can really propel them into the starting lineup early. But it's not just that. It's that Alabama's so loaded at the wings and the forward position that he's not going to really have a spot because you're going to see Herb Jones probably play you know, the four, and then Jordan Bruner, the grad transfer from Yale, is going to play the five. So I've been trying to do some lineup configuration to see when when and how he could crack the starting lineup. And, you know, with John Petty still on – um, the brink of going to the NBA draft or coming back, if he decides to stay in the draft, I mean, there's a possibility you could have a Javon Quinterly, one of Josh Primo or Jaden Shackford at the two, and then throw Herb Jones at the three, and then Chiku at the four and Brunner at the five. That would probably be the best route for him to start right away. But I think they're going to want to kind of ease him in early on um, in the non-conference, if they have non-conference games, um, to kind of get them acclimated to the college game, because it's going to be a lot faster than the prep schools over in Arizona and what he's used to.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Alabama now has a a top ten basketball class in the country on rivals, coming in at ninth overall. That's not counting the addition of Jordan Bruner. This is the best class Alabama has brought in on paper since when? Well,
1: that's a tough. I mean. You could probably say the 2017 class right off the bat with Colin Sexton, John Petty, and Herb Jones, Alex Reese. I mean, that was a fantastic class, and I think the high-strength class. But don't sleep on the 2005 class with Richard Hendricks and Alonzo Alonzo G. I believe they signed the number three or four JUCO um, player in the country that year, too. Probably the most comparable will be 2017 just by talent top to bottom, but To be honest, I think this class is going to be more impactful now and in the future than that 2017 class was, just because you got Chiku that we already mentioned. I mean, if he plays just two years of basketball, he's going to make a huge impact. I mean, he has the potential to be a one-and-done. Joshua Primo, the same way, the kid out of Canada. And then you have a Juco guy like Keon Ellis that's going to play two years that's going to be very impactful. Um, Darius Miles is probably going to redshirt. Keon Ambrose could play year one. And, I mean, I would throw in guys like Javon Quinterly, James Rojas, and Juwan Gary into this. They're going to be playing for the first time. Um, I'd throw them into this this kind of class. But I think this class overall is the best Alabama's ever had in its history. But if you're going to try to find a class that it's most comparable to, I'd probably say the 2017 one. Just because there's a headliner – Um, You could pick Chiku or Primo, but there's also guys in there that are three- to four-year lettermen that's going to be very impactful like Teddy, Reese, and Herb Jones.
2: So switching over to the bench, uh, I know you're not part of the 24-7 network, but they have Brian Hodgins ranked Mm -hmm. as a sixth overall recruiter when you look at college basketball assistants right now in the 2020 class. Uh, Nate Oates Mm -hmm. is getting the attention and the praise of what's being built, but does Hodgins seem to – you know be such a big important piece of this puzzle and how important is he to the success that they're having right now I
1: mean he's been a godsend for the Alabama basketball program and he's been the guy and like you said Nate Oates is getting all the praise but Brian Hodgson should be getting just as much if not more because he's really developed relationships over time with the international coaches like the you play up in, in Canada he's had a very good relationship um, with him for several years and it's gotten him in the door with keon ambrose joshua primo and potentially one of the top big men in the country next year charles vidiaco and he's really stepped out and buffalo he kind of got to play in a bubble and got to just recruit north northeastern kids and get a lot of the kids that the bigger colleges didn't want and they thrived off of that because their coaching ability is so good but one thing that he's very big on and I'm sure y'all saw the piece on him um, being a foster child and everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But he's really big on creating relationships. You know, they could use their platform, and they have of being at a big-time school and being able to recruit from that. But they're really good at just talking to the guys and building those relationships over. I mean, they've only been able to talk to these guys for like a year and a half, and they've already, you know, jumped over a lot of these big-time schools for them. It's because their relationship-building skills are incredible, and Hotchin has really been a big part of that because he's just a really good dude, down-to-earth, humble, and that's what the kids want, and they really tell you how it is. Like They don't sugarcoat anything. You're going to start day one, pretty much just tell you what, not what do not tell them what they want to hear, just straightforward with them, and that's what a lot of these kids want.
0: So Chico's commitment put Alabama at the scholarship limit with John Petty still weighing his options. Uh, Then the news broke Mm -hmm. that Javion Davis had had entered the transfer portal, which opened up a spot. Tell me that means what I think it means, Jordan. Is John Petty returning (laughs) for his senior season?
1: (laughs) Oh, that's a million-dollar question, Wes. And gun to my head, yes, I think he's coming back. And the reason I say that is – Javion wouldn't be leaving if they didn't think they had a good chance. And I don't think at first I thought that Javion maybe just they told him to explore his options just in case, but then I saw Matthew and I were talking on our podcast this past weekend that he posted a tweet later Saturday, Sunday afternoon pretty much closing a door to a return to Alabama. Released his top 6 um I think the other day. So the door's pretty much shut of him coming back, so I mean, I wouldn't say that they wouldn't um, take another transfer that may have to sit out next year to fill that spot, but right now the odds are looking very good for John Petty to return because I know he said he wanted between you know spot 40 and 45 in the draft to get him a guaranteed two-way deal. But based on how everything's going, I I don't see him getting drafted in that spot. I don't see him getting drafted at all, to be honest. So. I think it'd be wise for him to come back, and ultimately, I think he ends up coming
0: back.
2: Well, let's uh, let's flip the tables here, and let's say if he does keep his name in the draft, and Javion does find landing spot, and you know he doesn't come back to Tuscaloosa, like seems to be the plan here. Uh, are there any other names that we're going to keep an eye out for? You know, you mentioned grad transfers that may have to sit a year. I mean, is there somebody in particular has got to be? I would think that they've got an eye on. I would
1: like to say yes, but I haven't heard of anybody else that they're after. Um, there's constantly new guys coming out that are deciding to transfer, but everybody I've seen hasn't been contacted by Alabama. I think they're they're keen on John Petty coming back, and that's a good re- big reason why I think uh, the odds are in the favor of him coming back, just because I've been paying attention to all the kids come, deciding to transfer reaching out to some people, seeing if they're on anybody. And, I mean, everything's pretty quiet in that front.
0: Yeah, wow, so, that's very unusual.
1: That's I, so, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, Javion's been the one guy that I've always – that I've been saying that would be the guy to fill that scholarship again, but he's kind of closed the door on that. So, I mean, that's that's why I have a good hunch that John Petty does return.
0: All right, well, before we let you go, I do want to ask about the 2021 class, uh, J.D. Davidson. Mm-hmm. He's an in-state guard, consensus top 15 recruit in the, in the nation. I think he'll be ranked even higher by the end of the cycle. And I think he's the best prospect from the state of Alabama since DeMarcus Cousins over a decade ago. Am I wrong?
1: No, no, you're you're definitely right, man. I've gone on ESPN Radio with Drew Armand and Huntsville, and I've, I've gone on the record saying that He's the best prospect from Alabama I've seen live. I never got to see DeMarcus because he played down in Mobile. But I really haven't seen a guy since, you know, Ronald Steele from uh, Birmingham that has been that good at all facets of the game. He's very athletic, point guard, doesn't have to have the ball in his hand, still a pretty good shooter. And, I mean, you watch some of this film, guys. He jumps out of the gym and he's only 6'2", 6'3", and that really wows coaches and scouts, and that's a reason why I'm starting to think he may be contacted by the G League eventually, that that's the kind of guy they're looking for, and I mean, Alabama is in great shape with him. I think it'll come down to Alabama, Auburn, or LSU, but the G League's definitely going to come calling eventually, so I mean, he's that good, and Alabama doesn't have basketball don't have basketball recruits that come around very often that would be able to make that jump um to the G League. So yes, most definitely um he's the best since Demarcus Cousins. He he's the best I've ever seen live. Well
2: it's gonna be pretty damn interesting if uh, Alabama basketball basketball's mm-hmm. already at a point where It's going after one of the top prospects in next year's class, and it's got to compete with basically a minor league association of the NBA (laughs) that bids out and throws out hundreds of thousands of dollars up front. So I'd say you're sitting pretty no matter which way he goes there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Oh, big time. All right. Well, subscribe to the Double Drouble Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at HarperNation24. Jordan, Thank you for being our resident basketball analyst.
2: <laughs> yeah, thanks buddy. We'll talk to you after the next Thanks minute. for having me, guys. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I all
0: right. Well, it. yeah, until until there until next time, until there's more basketball news, I suppose. We'll come running. Yeah. Hope,
1: yeah, hopefully we have a season, you guys. Yes,
0: Hi, sir. Man. be safe. All right. How y'all too? All right, Brad. A, a lot has happened in the last few weeks, but I'm not going to miss an opportunity to to pat myself on the back, all right? So I want to hit on this real quick. The last time we recorded, Dan Mullen and his lack of ability on the recruiting trail was a topic. So it's, it's widely known Alabama coming in the state of Florida right now and kind of taking who they want. But I thought for a second, maybe I was being harsh. Like m- Maybe Dan Mullen isn't as awful as I was making him out to be. So I fact-checked myself. That's that's a thing that we want to do. We want to have. (laughs) Yeah, we want to have integrity on the roll, bam, roll podcast on one. Uh, (laughs) hand, So Florida has 20 commitments right now. I know Tennessee like we talked about that with their 23. Mm -hmm. That's been a topic nationally in the recruiting world. But I've heard almost nothing on Florida being right behind them. So Florida's class is almost full as well. They're ranked 10th nationally. Try to process this. They have only one player ranked in the top 175, one out of 20 commitments.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's – I don't know what Florida school we're talking about here anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, there are literally multiple high schools in Florida, and I'm not joking, mm-hmm. with more than one kid ranked that high on their team. hmm Like, just at their high school. So – I don't know. Like, what a time to be alive, man! <laughs> even the ranking of tenth is deceiving, though. Like, obviously, it's quantity based. Well, yeah, it's going to be no different than Ole Miss a couple of years ago. Yeah, well, like, well, but even those Ole Miss classes with Hugh Freeze, okay, at yeah, least they had the, some
2: one seventy five players. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, at least, at least they were top heavy. You know yeah. what I mean?
2: Yeah, you you had your your key hitters there, you know, to to be the anchors of that class. As four stars, a couple five stars, but this, man. Yeah. You're Florida. Like, like, who else in that state is good? Nobody. Seriously. This <laughs> yeah, is the I most saw vulnerable Florida. Florida time to take over yeah. that state, as there's been since the U was the U, and no one can do it.
0: Yeah. I saw Florida Atlantic got Deion Sanders' kid. He's in the top 250. They got him like last week.
2: Didn't that? That's where Taggart went to, wasn't it?
0: Uh, is he the head coach
2: there now? I'm pretty damn sure when FSU bought him out and Kiffin went to Ole Miss, they hired Taggart.
0: If so, and I don't know if that's true or not.
2: Hang on. I'm gonna, you keep <laughs> talking. I'm going to do this real quick.
0: If so, I really like that hire. I know, like, dude, Willie Taggart got a bad rep with his stint yeah. at, at his Florida State. FAU, yep. Yeah. But I loved him at Western Kentucky. I thought he did a great job. Like, when he was at smaller schools like that, I think that's that's his cup of tea. I think that's where he's he's best at. But yeah,
2: he is. He anyways. was hired there.
0: Anyways, every team ahead of Florida, not named Tennessee, has less commitments than them. Like Michigan's also ahead of them; they have the same at twenty. And six schools behind them have a higher star average. So as it sits right now, there's essentially no room for them to move up much higher than tenth. But there's there's really a lot of potential for them to move down. Can you imagine the takes we'd hear huh. if if Alabama was in this exact position right now? <laughs>
2: Oh God. Oh. I remember what it was like to be in sixth and that was no fun.
0: <laughs> no. The dynasty was dying. It was on its deathbed, man.
2: Good lord. Yeah, they're at Florida's at a bubble, and if this thing is able to go to some type of, you know, normalcy of any type, that bubble's gonna burst and they're gonna free fall.
0: Yeah. By the way, that one commitment in the top. 175 his his name's tyreek Sapp. he's a defensive end from saint thomas aquinas which by the way is one of those high schools with yeah with, yeah, with broke more the than law. One... We yeah down. Uh, yeah uh he released a top five last week while committed to florida
2: <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> that's like yeah. your freaking girlfriend you know you're seeing her on instagram <laughs> liking pics and stuff with other dudes but hey it's cool she's uh she's with you
0: about, like what this means, basically, Florida is like the front runner on a season of The Bachelor.
2: Dude, he's just, he gives zero Fs. He's just he <laughs> slapping him in the face. Doesn't <laughs> like, even care.
0: Recruiting brings you, it, it, it literally, it brings you something new every cycle. Oh, I can say it. that assuredly. No, like,
2: 100%. And, of course, it's Florida, too. You know, this time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Florida, anything. They're resting kangaroos. You got people committed to schools that are down there, but... They're yep. still putting top sixes out, like
0: <laughs> out, like I'm sure it's been done before, but I have literally never seen someone release a top five list of schools in their recruitment while committed to a school. Like you should have read. I went to the, one of the Florida message boards <laughs> when he oh, put out God. his top five. <laughs> you should have read the comments. They are exactly what you're thinking right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, dude. That I gotta. I gotta look that up. That's gotta be some. You know, uh-huh. hang it on the wall art.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's fine reading. Let me tell you, Uh, like, but they're competing for top 10 classes each cycle. But to me, that's not good enough for Florida. I know Florida as a powerhouse in recruiting. That's what I grew up with. And that just hasn't happened with the last couple of stats. Let me ask you this. Did, did Steve Spurrier in the nineties? And then Urban Meyer, did those two give, did they give us a false sense of like of who Florida is or who they should be bringing in every class? Like, were they, were they the exception?
2: Well, I mean, a lot of people do forget how bad Florida was historically overall. You know, post spurrier and then pre barrier if that makes sense. Yeah. So like, they had three decades almost. They were, you know, not absolute bottom, but they were lower level, you know, Division One college football programs year over year. And then when, you know, the fun and gun came with Spurrier, um, I think that did change it. And it was something that Urban Meyer was able to build off that dynamic uh, and then, well, that it's Will Muschamp effect. So, and here we are <laughs> from there. But I still don't think it's been long enough away from those times that it should not be that hard to project this to these kids to get them here right now and get back to that level. You make a absolute crap ton of money. You have the name. It's a brand. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah, like part of me thinks that's a, a ridiculous question for me to ask, but then part of me is kind of like, I mean, is it? Because we've had we've had several years now of them with just okay recruiting classes.
2: I mean, it's not the same level as Missouri's first three years versus every year since when they joined, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, not that drastic.
2: God. And yeah. As a side note, kick Missouri out of yeah. the
0: SEC. <laughs> yeah, it's fine with me. But like the, the days of like Tim Tebow and Cam Newton, back to back classes, those are gone at the moment, for sure. Right. Oh, speak, speaking of, I forgot to ask you. Oh, God. I forgot to ask you this, Patriots fan. How are you feeling about the, the Pat and Cam Newton?
2: I mean, I feel a lot more confident about it than the other damn Auburn Tiger they got on the roster. At
0: oh, him. that's right. Yeah, they're just, like, Auburned out at the QB position. Yeah, those
2: two, and then, oh, here comes 48-year-old freaking Brian Hoyer. But in all
0: seriousness, out. like, how, how do you legitimately feel about them signing Cam Newton?
2: Oh, I'm intrigued as hell. I really am. Because if he's even, let's say, 75% of what he was a couple years ago, yeah. two years ago before the injury, uh, in that system, they're going to you know try to keep it safe for him. You know, let him do his thing. I, I think once they start opening him up, if he is healthy, it, it could get a little fun in a different way. So, I'll but think, I'm not I would, rooting for him like I'd, that. I'd be excited. I, I, that, that's going to be a tough It's, it's
0: yeah, like adopting
2: I, a ginger, and I can say that as a ginger, and then, you know, it takes a while <laughs> to love him. So,
0: <laughs> but look, like the Cam Newton stuff was uh, 10 years ago. Like Alabama's won some national championships since then. Okay. I feel like the. I, this I'm sure does not apply to to everybody, but the bitterness of that whole thing is kind of faded for me. Mm. So, uh, no. so I, clearly you do not agree.
2: You didn't have to go too far to find out if it didn't apply to everybody. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. But yeah. if I'm a if I'm a Patriots fan, I support that move. Like they got a former no, MVP it, yes. for pennies too, for nothing ba- oh, on basically yeah, no, like
2: good a Lord, that's highly yeah. Wild to so.
0: Got him on a one-year show me contract. It, is, it just feels like Bill Belichick getting over on the league again.
2: Yeah, and then I'll parlay into trading two first-round picks for Trevor Lawrence next year.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, like that would be that would be the most Patriots thing ever.
2: And you can be over the bitterness, but there's no way you can be over the magic in which it took for Mark Ingram's fumble to go that distance <laughs> that way.
0: Yeah, don't remind me.
2: Yeah. Okay. So welcome back to bitterness.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that was a long ride home
2: that's oh, man I can't anyways look. yeah gonna, look since
0: we <laughs> since we last talked and we're not going to spend a ton of time on this because our, our next episode we're going to kind of do a, a full overview on all of these commitments that alabama has secured but they have secured six commitments since the last time we talked with probably a couple more coming soon maybe even before this even posts but they they got the brockermeyer twins uh Devontae smith yeah, another Devonte Smith, mm-hmm. outside linebacker Dallas Turner, Kadarius Callaway, and linebacker uh, Kendrick Blackshire. So they've moved up to sixth in the team rankings. Brad, some would consider that bad. That bad in some years. Yeah, here we go. Uh, but With only 14 commitments, so they so they remain in play for that top class for taking out Ohio State. Uh, again, how long ago was it? We were, were we saying <laughs> Deontay Lawson was the only commitment on the board? That was like two months ago.
2: I'm sitting here. I'm like, man, I wonder if he's going to do it. Yeah. How many? We got one, four, fourteen. That's uh.
0: Yeah, fourteen. One to fourteen in like two months.
2: We got to start talking about how you know worrisome or terrible recruiting is going more often. So I'm
0: going to bring up Deontay Lawson every episode.
2: Yeah, there you go. It's I, like that's I, our freaking magic.
0: Yeah, they, they they literally went from I think it was the seventieth ranked class to the sixth ranked class in in no time. So anyways, we'll go into more detail on the class overall next episode because because it looks like more commitments are coming soon. But uh, just quickly, Devontae Smith, who is a corner, flipped his commitment from Ohio State to Alabama, Kadarius Callaway Flipped his from Mississippi State to Alabama. And what stands out to me, Brad, about, about both of these guys, both are currently three stars. So most in the industry expect them to become four stars at one point. There's even talk of Devontae Smith moving up into the top 100. But the staff has to be so high on these these three-star guys because they have so many elite options out there right now at both corner and safety and realistic elite options at that in order to take these commitments. So it ha- doesn't it, it says something about how they evaluate maybe what we would consider lower ranked guys and what the staff thinks of them with so much left out there, you know for, for them to, to potentially take.
2: Yeah, no, honestly, this has been more the M.O., no matter the staff, turnover, everything. This is normally how it's been going the last few years off the top of my head, uh, especially in terms of the secondary. You know, it it does seem to be like more times than not they get on guys early. And, you know, their junior year, their senior season, they go off, you know, and they get that bump on top of it. So the one thing Nick Saban has, you know, changed and it continues to show is he's – he, he looks at the process starting earlier a little bit differently with high school kids, junior high kids. Um, I'm hoping it doesn't go lower than that, but he's, got, he's scouting this talent watching film you know, far broader in age group and background and things like that now than he ever has.
0: Yeah, he, they've liked uh, Devontae Smith. He's from Ohio for – for a long time for this cycle. Uh, But I have seen some people kind of questioning taking Kadarius Callaway right now. I will say this, keep in mind that he is from Mississippi. So like 90% of Mississippi kids that commit to out of state schools early end up at either Ole Miss or Mississippi state by the end of the cycle. It's just like, it's a fact of life. It's what happens. So if you're one of those, like questioning the Callaway commitment, I give it a few months. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not sure. saying he's definitely going to decommit, but he's from Mississippi.
2: It's Look, there's been too many great examples if you pulled out each year's, you know, signed class of the reaction year. for whenever they committed, whether it was three years ago or on, you know. Yeah.
0: But Mississippi State did hire Michael Each. Yeah. So who is one of the very, very worst recruiters on planet Earth. So so maybe that won't hold true anymore. I don't know. That's actually that's probably a good topic for next episode. Like we have Dan Mullen out of the way, <laughs> <You> got <Tennessee laughs> Mike Leach, yeah, Mike Leach is next. He makes Dan Mullen look like Coach K on the recruiting so trail, and I'm I'm not kidding.
2: Oh yeah, it, I, it's so okay. Yeah, we're gonna do that next episode. But Mike Leach is not Dan Mullen. The opposite of the persona, though.
0: He's yeah. mystical almost in a way. <laughs> yeah, but he's such a weird. Like I can see how no kid would ever want to play. How did, does that really uh, does that guy appeal to you if he's sitting on the your living room couch like with your mom sitting there? No, Probably but not. I didn't
2: No, but I didn't fit in when I lived in Denver either. So
0: eh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, like his classes are, are historically awful. It, like, it's going to
2: be fun as hell. You know, let's <laughs> let's just sell out and let's do what we can. So,
0: yeah, but he, he does get he gets a lot out of the little talent that he has. I will give him that. Anyways, next week we will have an overview on probably the most recent seven or eight commitments if the next few days go as expected. uh, And we'll break down how bad Mike Leach is at half of his job. (laughs) That's where we'll go from here. This has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Tide.